Bingo. All right. We have quite a few people joining us already. Isn't this cool? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, everyone who's joining us. Um, this has been the most highly anticipated conversation and interview I've done out of 160 something. And I've really, you know, been thinking about reaching out to my guests for quite a while, but I just haven't had much time. Well, today we have the time. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. And it is a great honor and a privilege for me to introduce my special guest, creator of the Melt Method, amongst all the other amazing work she does. I want to welcome Sue Hitzman. Sue, welcome. And how are you? I'm good, except I keep seeing that my, my internet connection looks like it's on the wrong one. And I feel like I should flip it over and come back in. Can I do that even with a live thing or will it mess everything up? Um, I'm okay. I can see you really well. Everything is yeah. really smooth. Okay, let's leave it. <laughs> let's leave it. Something happens. We can make a switch. Um, I'm doing one thing here because I want to make sure we have okay so we are on facebook live we're here on zoom we have quite a few attendees and sue welcome it's really good to meet you finally i've been following you, you for a long time so i just like this is really nice for me thank, thank you. you so the melt method i just want to tell you a little bit of a story and the reason i i've thought about do i want to share this or not but i think it's kind of important um I don't say this to impress anybody, but I mean, I do a lot of neuro rehab and this and that. I'm dealing with, you know, I taught for Emily Swickle for years, uh, learn a lot about fascial this and fascial that and the foot decor. And, and I love her and I love her stuff. I miss teaching it. I teach my own stuff, Parkinson's regeneration training stuff I wrote all over the world. Um, I also came bef before any of that teaching and teaching with Brookbush Institute as well. You know, Brent. Of course. Mi hermano de otra madre. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. See, I so um, I, when I first heard of Melt Method, I it's not that I didn't think it would be great, uh, but I was coming from this very tunnel vision point of view as an NASM master trainer. Now, I don't say this against NASM because they have their thing and their thing is good. But what I want to emphasize here is no matter what modality you come from in your work of your education, if you're a trainer, if you're a physical therapist, I highly, highly urge keep an open mind. Because once I opened my mind to fascial fluid, lymphatic fluid, pain, joint pain, fascial tension, adhesions, uh, hydration, and all this stuff, the things that they don't talk about in the certifications that I have from you know a standard certifying agency, my world expanded. Mm -hmm. And this is what well, Melt Method became. Well, I had my first session with somebody about six years ago in Nashville. And I was like, whoa, this shit is cool. So be open minded because I know you're all here because you're interested. Susan, Sue is going to talk about some really cool stuff that she does. And uh, so I've been talking here way too much. Sue, <laughs> can you tell me, I'm, I'm just curious. First of all, I commend you on the work you do, the program you have, well, the, the Melt Method, at least. I'm, I know you have a lot of other stuff, but how did the program come to be? How did you come up with the roller and the balls and the things? Yeah, yeah. 
it's a it's a really good question. Well, first of all, I want to even say, you know, my background is in fitness also. Like I was NASM, CSCS, I had all of my certifications. And I also had a master's in physiology and anatomy, right? Like, I mean, I had, I was in deep that sensory motor control, the brain, the brain was everything, right? Everything that we're moving is all reliant to the brain. And it is, right? I mean, the brain is what produces movement, it produces pain, the, the brain is very important to learn. But I was like so in deep that if you ate right and you exercised, you were gonna lead this active, healthy, pain-free life. And what got me into this kind of work was after literally a decade in fitness, I woke up one day and the bottom of my foot hurt me. And at first I thought I had stepped on a piece of glass and I thought, uh-huh. you know, I don't know what that is. That's such a weird feeling. And what started out as foot pain turned into this body-wide ache and exhaustion and fatigue. And it went on for almost 18 months. I had gone to doctors. I had gotten CAT scans, MRIs. I had one doctor say, maybe it's lupus. It might be fibromyalgia, you know, like, so I was just all over the board. A doctor recommended um, antidepressants and things like that. And it, the thing that struck me was the, the first diagnosis was plantar fasciitis. And I remember thinking, hmm, plantar fasciitis, inflamed fascia, could inflame fascia actually cause pain? And if that's the case, there's no exercise for that. I didn't have anything in my toolbox. And it wasn't that I hadn't heard about fascia. It was just how do you treat fascia was like not really a thing. Even with Rolfing and things like that, we were still talking about myofascia, which is an element of fascia that relates to muscle. That's just a a scientific way, a more correct way to say muscle, right? Myofascia, muscle fascia. Mm But what was lucky for me was in the late 90s, Google came, became a thing. I typed in the word fascia on the internet and it, it sent me down this road to trying to figure out what, how fascia played a role in my pain symptoms. And at the time I had a private practice, I was treating elite athletes and uh, fitness people who had gotten injured. I had a great knack of getting them back on the field faster. And when 9-11 happened, I started working on people with post-traumatic stress disorder. And as I started to incorporate the concepts of fascia and how fascia was a seamless system in the body and, and how I could actually adapt this tissue, could it also alter my nervous system? Could I, could I alter sensory motor feedback and my neural information, my brain's idea mm-hmm. about my body, if you will, mm-hmm. by way of, of fascial restoration? And what was incredible is it didn't matter what caused my client's pain problems. It could have been an accident, an illness, it could be heartbreak, the flu. Uh, Fascia played a role in all of those pain symptoms. And so as I started to apply techniques in my hands-on therapy to my clients, they were getting better. And a client said to me one day, if you could just invent a way for me to do to myself what you do with your magic hands, I'd stay out of your office. And I thought, well, I'll be unemployed if that happens, but it does sound like a good idea. So I started playing around with balls and rocks and rollers and PVC piping. And I came up with an idea of taking PVC piping. I wrapped it in bubble wrap. I wrapped it in a yoga blanket and then a yoga mat and I duct taped the thing together. And I started to apply this gentle compression to the base of my skull. And one day I decompressed my own neck. I knew I did it. And I shared it with my client who had chronic TMJ, migraines, and, and, and neck pain. And um, she got better. She got better. She, she held the changes more than she did when she just came to see me in my office. Oh. And 
I just, she said, you know, my husband's got back pain. Do you think you can vent away for him to get out of back pain? And I was like, let me see if I can figure that out too. So it was just a process from the late nineties up until 2004, where I really started to incubate the methodology in my private practice. And then by 2004, I really knew I had something. I mean, I had treated thousands of people at that point and helped so many people get out of pain. And I thought, gee, I wonder if I could teach this in a group environment. So 2004, I coined the term MELT. I started teaching it in group environments. And today, the you know method is around the world. We've got 2,000 instructors worldwide. Um, I have an app. Great, you know, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's just been a, a process of how it started was just uh, is homework for my clients. And, and now it's a method for anybody. Well, if you go to, correct me, please, if I'm wrong, meltmethod.com meltmethod.com yep that's yeah, my website you can read everything she just said it, the story because i was reading about how you're doing pvc and wrapping them in lots of things and <laughs> and then uh if if you don't mind could you just tell us what m-e-l-t stands for yeah when i first developed the method I, I it stood for myofascial energetic length technique and as i started to really understand fascia beyond the muscle system and beyond the sensory motor pathways to muscle and understood the link to the lymph system and the fluid flow of fascia rather than the collagen aspect of fascia, it kind of outgrew the acronym. So I took the periods away and melt to me just in, in a sense, you know, what, what is the thing that evokes the word melt is to take a stiff system and turning it back into a fluid, malleable, adaptable structure, which is what the body is designed to do. I mean, the nervous system, if it's efficient, adapts very quickly and a nervous system and a body that doesn't adapt quickly kind of gets stuck. I mean, that's what aging is about. Right, right. Leads to pain and all dysfunctions yeah. and everything else, right? Yeah. Like you say, and in, in um, on your website too, is that a body that feels better wants to exercise more. I mean, you're yeah. gonna wanna move more if you feel better. Nobody wants yeah, to exercise body. and move if they don't feel good and they have pain all the time. Yeah, that's it. Well, the other thing, it, um, this is a few years ago, the first time I had run into Tom Myers, well, just before mm -hmm. him, um, two I of the endorsers Tom. of your program, mm -hmm. they caught my name and, and then it's when I took it seriously. Like, okay, this is the real deal. Because Tom Myers and Dr. Robert Schleip yeah. are a fan of your work. Yeah. So these two guys are saying this stuff about her, and this is real deal stuff. Not that I doubted you. I'm just saying, but those are heavy endorsements and bravo. Thank bravo. you. Well, and you know, Robert was one of, yeah, Robert was one of the very first researchers. As I started to develop the method, I had reached out to him by a phone call, like two o'clock in the morning, he answered his phone in Germany. I was like, I'm so sorry. What time is it? There? Where are you? <laughs> And I, I shared with him what I was doing and how I was taking this research I was finding and trying to create application for the research. And he actually pointed me in the direction of so many other research papers that I hadn't even known about. And then actually flew to New York City and hung out with me for a day in my office to learn more about it. So I really, you know, wow. and, and also Tom, Tom Myers and his myofascial lines were one of the best models that I had ever seen to really try to break down the continuum that fascia and muscles have. And I feel like that model can really give way to understanding how our, on, on a macro level, how fascia provides an opportunity for our body to be upright and move around on two legs. So it's a really powerful model that he's created. Absolutely. 
I mean, if anyone doesn't have anatomy trains, go get it. Yeah. Study it. This is a are you study. hiding this under. Yeah, you're living under a rock. These two people are very, very formative in the fascial community for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I've never spoken with um, Dr. Schleip, although I'd love to meet him. Uh, but really? I love his interviews and watch him, and he's funny and fun and so knowledgeable. And then Tom yes. has such a great dry sense of humor. I love him. Brilliant, both of them. <laughs> really Genius. funny, but really brilliant people who, um, you know, bringing getting back to what you're doing that's what this is about is but it's all related so yes if you don't know about dr slipe and tom myers you got to check them out mm -hmm. but you have a book as well um you Ooh. you have a book that oh pardon me i'm very sorry but i know one of us at least one's a bestseller oh yeah okay okay oh beautiful yeah. So, so the, the New York Times bestseller, I don't know how that happened, right? A book on fascia. I couldn't even, I mean, actually when I wrote it, I knew, I mean, I had, again, like, you know, when you, when you witness miracles in front of you and you watch people transform, I mean, it never gets old. It, yeah. It's, at, you know, teaching in a group environment and watching people transform and feeling the frequency of a room completely change and having people like limping in and walking out is just inspiring and so when i wrote that book i really thought i'm going to influence the general public i'm going to explain how important fascia is to every aspect of your health and i'm going to get the general public to understand all of this scientific jargon that's out there because you know neuroscience and, and fascial research and biology it's complex and most people don't know cell biology they don't understand yeah. the you know the lymph system and i'm a science geek i love this stuff but i think one of my claim to fame has been the ability to take really complex terms and concepts and simplify it down into easily digestible words and concepts that people can remember so that they do the one thing I'm asking them to do is just, you know, empower them to take care of themselves in a way that if you didn't know about the system, you just wouldn't, you know, I, I mean, again, I, uh, lots of people eat right and exercise and still have persistent pain. So uh, if you were like me and bought into this idea that, you know, if you exercise and you, you know, you push as much as you pull, you're going to become more upright, more balanced. It, it just isn't true. There's so many people in the health and fitness industries who have joint pain, um, digestive problems, emotional issues, you know, so that's not all there is to it. And so understanding what the system is and how it relates to longevity and overall health and wellness, I think is, is really um, what that first book was about. And then the second book, where the first book was really trying to explain fascia, the second book brings in uh, neuromuscular and sensory motor control. So Eric Dalton's work with, um, you know, as myoskeletal alignment techniques, which are usually done by a therapist, but there's certain things that you can do for yourself to restore the, I, I just say this, I'm, I don't hope this isn't overwhelming, but the deep stabilizing mechanisms of your shoulder girdle, your pelvis and your core, so the yeah. central system, and to improve the neuromyofascial channel that stabilizes you so that you function well. So it's more on the neuroscience of, of the method. But that's so important. So I'll just go off here for a minute, like in the Parkinson's and neuromotor training courses I've written yeah. and we teach, uh, well, at this point, I'm not really traveling too much because partially I don't want to. <laughs> partially, I don't want to. But I mean, I've traveled a lot. You've traveled a lot. It's interesting uh, when people come into a clinic, depends on what countries we're in, though, um, especially 
no offense against the United States. We have a lot of great people who are therapists and trainers and everything, but um, this neuro side of things gets dropped. In fact, it's never even mentioned a lot of times. Of course. You know, I mean, yes, that, that's it in fitness. We know about how to, you know, if I do this, that's an exercise for my bicep, but how sensory motor control works and what a motor unit yeah. is, ask any personal trainer, what's a motor unit. And they'd be like, I don't know, is it a part of a car? You know, like <laughs> they're just, yeah, it's my, it's not what we're taught. My transmission. No, yeah. but it, it's interesting because, uh, all of the systems, right? All of our systems, every single system works together. Yes. To keep us alive, keep us moving, to do the stuff we do. When one system isn't functioning it optimally, all the other ones, and it might be to a minuscule degree, but they're all brought down some. So when we improve the system or systems that are not functioning optimally, other systems start to ramp up. And this whole idea of thinking about fascia, and I, when I say this too, again, no, no offense to corrective exercise specialists or anybody, because I'm one of them too, but I kind of don't really go that route anymore because even though there, I think there's probably a time and a place for a hard foam roller to take Absolutely. out a lesion and, and you know, it's, it's, it's relevant. It's only yes. a piece of a bigger puzzle. So learning about fascia, and this ectoskeleton it provides to our muscles without it our muscles would be like we'd be nothing right we'd have no form yes and, and that's it you know you know we we are a bunch of systems i guess but but really we are one cohesive being and mm -hmm. fascia is the environment that every other system organ nerve blood vessel and cell of your body relies upon to function efficiently, right? And, and just like the environment that you have, when your environment's chaotic, right? There's also, don't you feel crazy inside, right? So oh, yeah. very similar, right? And, and, and what's beautiful is that if you learn a little bit more about how fascia actually functions as the stability system of your body, and you understand what stability is, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about how well you balance on a BOSU ball in your corrective exercises, right? We're talking about emotional stability, neurological, psychological, chemical stability. Fascia plays a role in all aspects of how we function in, in a stable way. So if you want your nervous system to function well, or your lymphatic system, your digestive system, I could explain fascia in relationship to every other system of your body and, and, and how cell proliferation exists, your DNA, how telomeres are. I would I mean, totally you know, geek out if you go off on that. That would be aging. fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it actually relates to everything. So fascia not only plays a role in pain processes, yeah. but, but your aging process. So if you want to age well, then you should know about fascia. And I mean, I, I'm in my fifties now and I think to myself, okay, it's no like, <laughs> yeah, now, I now never, I say this as fact, not just because I'm talking to you. I had no idea that, I had no idea fifties. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this a while. Okay. You know, I mean, when I say, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been in the fitness industry since I'm 16. So it's more of my life than not. And really, you know, to, to maintain a youthful, vibrant sense of self, I think that, the beauty of Malta is it's not just about the fascial system. It's really about body awareness. It's about your inner sense of being and know thyself and trust thyself. And when you're in pain, you've got to go in your body and sense what you feel. And most often when people have issues in their body, they're seeking outside of themselves to find 
a resolution, right? They go to the doctors, they get them a therapist, they exercise, it's everything's outside of themselves. But if you really want to regain control and your sense of well-being, then you really have to give yourself permission to go into your body and sense what you feel and then empower yourself with the tools to care for what's going on intrinsically, not extrinsically first. I love that so much. And that's another thing uh, I just have to piggyback onto that by saying that's another thing gets, that gets left out in your typical trainer certification, let's say here. Uh, I promise for anyone out there certified, whoever you're, I'm not trying to bash the industry. I don't do that. However, I do encourage knowing as much as you can. Yes, yeah, I say, I'm going off just a little bit because I really I have some specific questions I want to ask you. Um, but before I go off and say anything, we have people commenting in the chat box. I want to say that eventually um, we will, I will look at everything and we will ask Sue your questions. If you're on Facebook Live, please put your uh, questions in the comments and I'll be monitoring that over here. So if you keep looking down, this is I see questions coming up. So I'm not being rude. I just need to get the most for everyone here while we have her with us. So the thing is, is um, I know some trainers who have, if, if this is probably somewhat subjective, but I would say like the worst personal trainer certifications, the absolute worst, yet they're the best trainers. And it's usually because they're studying all the time. They're seeking outside information so they can bring it to the table and help their people. They want to learn more. I know people with the best certifications who they're not that good and I'm not judging. And, you know, I've been there with certain things in my life where I'm not that good because I'm just not into it. You know, like I don't work with athletes, just not into it. I admire anyone who does. And I admire athletes greatly, but they're a rare um, breed athletes. The mind of an athlete is very yeah. different than regular people yeah. and, 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 and athletes that were like professional athletes who are now regular people they're they're I mean, what a mind. It, yeah, it really it is. is. That is my favorite part about working with a former athlete um, is just the way they think generally, their, their yes. perspective on things. But yes. um, so we know where to put questions and comments. I have to always chime in and say, learn, 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 keep moving, yes. keep learning. Um, you wrote something here. I'm just reading off of your website. Melt is also an education system that simplifies established and new neural fascial, love that, um, science into adaptable uh, living body model mm -hmm. that self empowers and self educates laypersons in a manner that is fun and engaging uh, to encourage lifelong self care. Now we kind of already talked about this, but can you talk about? Do you mind connecting the neuro and the fascial systems for us here? Sure, because I have sure. a feeling you'll give a lot of traffic to your site after this. Yeah. Just to add to what you probably already get, with just a lot, but. Neurofascial. Yeah. How are those systems connected? Okay, so so the so fascia is the stability architecture of the body. And when you talk about stability, the two systems of the body that actually provide autonomic, involuntary stability are your nervous system and your fascial system. And the thing about the nervous system is that in science, just like any anatomy, we cut it up to explain each component, but there really just is one nervous system, but yeah. we can cut it up into a central nervous system, a peripheral nervous system, somatosensory and autonomic, the sympathetic, parasympathetic and enteric nervous systems. It gets confusing, right? Sure. So uh, what I did was I, I created what I called the living body model. And when 
when fascia, fascia again, three-dimensional fluid system provides tensional support throughout the body. And it's basically a tension compression management system. So unlike a traditional building block, uh, like, a, like a building a house where you have continuous compression elements stacked up on top of one another until you have enough compression elements holding the structure together, what we're calling it is biotensegrity. So fascia mm. is a tensegrity system. And what that means is it's actually discontinuous compression elements bathed in a continuous tensional network. So collagen and the fluids in fascia are the only seamless integrated system in the entire body. So when it comes to how your nervous system sends and receives information, it's very reliant on the fascial system. And one of the ways that your brain maintains your upright posture is by keeping a very clear connection to your joints. So your brain doesn't really know about muscles, right? It's not, again, when I go to do a bicep curl, it's not like calling up the biceps and making a contraction. It's actually dispersing sensory motor control throughout the entire body so that we actively partake in a very specific, very accurate movement. And when fascia is not in a state of resilience, if it loses its supportive qualities, if the tension compression management becomes dysfunctional, I don't know how better to say that, our nervous system, it, it kind of works like a GPS signal and your joints are like satellites and, and around your joints, it's all fascia. There's no muscles over joints, it's all fascia. So if fascia is in a, in, if it loses its stiff to elastic properties, your brain can't quickly pick up where the joints are. And that's, that is the, one of the most uh, relevant aspects of what causes your joints to get injured, right? Like you bend over and you pick up a pencil and you blow your back out, right? Mm -hmm. So sudden chronic pain is what I call it, is often caused by a sensory motor delay caused by fascial instability by, by, by the breakdown of the wow. fascial integrity. So the neurofascial system are like a power couple. So it's the two systems that provide stability uh, without you consciously thinking about it. And instead of talking about the neurofascial system in MELT, we call it the autopilot. It's the primary uh, of the five elements of the living body model. That's the top one. And I always say that the autopilot are the, are the components of your body that support, protect, and stabilize you without your voluntary control or your conscious awareness. And that's your nervous system it. and your fascia. I love it. I love that. It's just like, I could geek out on this for hours. Me too. <laughs> Seriously, Don't get me like this, started. This is the stuff that just totally turns me on. I just, and every, I just love it. It's so cool. So have you ever been a part of or led any uh, like this dissection classes? Like I always wanted oh. to go to one of the anatomy training things with Tom Myers. I've never done it, but I, my understanding is that once you start dissecting, you're pulling fascia off a calf, let's say, it doesn't stop at the end of the calf, it, it keeps going and going. And pretty soon you have this, you know, toe to head sling. And a lot of people don't know that. And that that just blows my mind that we're put together like this, first of all. So you've yes. done this. Many times, like over oh. 50 times, I've dissected many, many forms. And oh, wow. actually, I, I, when I was in my master's, I had gone into the lab. And the thing about it was that all the medical students had been, you know, kind of hacked apart a body. So they kind of chucked all the, you know, fascia in a bucket 
to get to the good stuff. So the only thing that was really left on the form were these definable muscles. So it was, it was a very um, incomplete model. It's not that there's anything wrong. It's just like how you're describing, you know, the CSES or ACE or NASM or any of those programs. They're not wrong. They're just incomplete. They're, they're lacking Absolutely. what really is in a body. And even, you know, like Tom Meyer's myofascial lines, these are models of of trying to create explanation and break a big concept down there there i always say there are no lines there is no spoon okay when you dissect a body and you remove the skin it is one continuous system mm -hmm. and when i got introduced to gil hadley in 2004 it blew my mind i mean i actually went back to nyu and wanted my money back i like spoke to the dean i was like how could you give me a masters in exercise science and there's an entire system in the body that we didn't even call a system and and that's the problem with fascia is that fascia is connective tissue right and we don't call it connective tissue for nothing it's the connective system right it's what connects everything but but fascia in and of itself is a system and it just depends upon if you're cutting it with a blade there's terminology like superficial fascia deep fascia myofascia neural fascia right any layers around things we're calling fascia. If you can cut it with a blade, you can define it that way. But if you're looking at it under a microscope, it's called extracellular matrix, the interstitium, mm. right? So the more fluid matrix. And that system, when you get microscopic about it, what you start to realize is there are no lines. There is no separation from head to toe, skin to bones. We could remove everything else in your body, including your skin. And you would still see the form of a body. But mm -hmm. if I removed everything but your bones, you wouldn't know if that was a male, a female, you know, or anything about the form. But, mm -hmm. but fascia in and of itself provides us our shape. And it really is the biological fabric that allows our embryo to form. So it, it, it's built out of the mesoderm, right? It's built out of the midline. And, and it's, um, it really is profound when I started really looking at fascia this way, it completely changed how I viewed movement, living, aging, form, um, just the very existence of us. And to me, fascia, because collagen is kind of like a superconductor, it has a frequency to it. And when you are with other people or you're around nature, there is a frequency of all living matter that, that kind of vibrates. Uh, and some of us vibrate at the same, let's call it hertz than others. So some people, you know, you're instantly gonna gravitate toward them. You're like, yeah. they're so freaking cool. And then you're gonna go to other people and you're gonna be like, I don't like that person and they haven't even said a word, but I don't yeah. like them. Yeah. And why is that? Is that, you know, and so to me, I think that fascia is the intuitive components of our body. It's actually the most intelligent system in the body because it's playing a role that state of stability outside of our mind. It doesn't need the brain to tell it what to do. It's doing things that have nothing to do with the brain at all. And in fact, our brain relies on how the cells of fascia function for the brain to function efficiently. Wow. I love this so much. Me too. I'm already going to ask you if we can do this again sometime. Totally. <laughs> I got a million questions, but um, wow. That's just the coolest stuff in the world. It is. So, and, and anybody who doesn't know Gil Hadley, just type in Gil Hadley, H-E-D-L-E-Y.com. And he has thousands of hours of dissection 
videos oh. and, and graciously gives it away. And he also has an Explorer um, membership and, and he does monthly calls with brilliant educators and does, I mean, like if you want to talk about a light being and somebody who is literally able to captivate an audience with education that is like so technical, but does it in the most incredibly light and humorous, loving way, it's Gil Headley. I mean, he, I really, uh, you know, I, he's the reason I'm here, I think, you know. I have to say, I've, I have heard his name. I have not looked him up. So this is new for me too. Yeah. Just writing it down. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, I want to jump over to the comments section here um, and make a few comments from viewers and also a couple of questions. First of all, you are the woman. That's what Anne says. <laughs> because she admires you so much. Um, let's let's go here. Let's go. Hi. That's from Russ Parker, a very good friend in Long Island. Life changing. Love, love, love. Sue and Melt. This is from Annabelle Scott. Um, Laura Melt method is great. Okay. Anne Heiser. Greetings, Anne. It's good to see you here. Well, not see you, but we're going to see you soon. Um, says, hi there, Sue. Please address the muscle memory bank. Oh, I see you twice now. I'm so sorry. My All of my power just went out in the entire house. Oh, no problem. Well, I see you. We hear you. So we have a, a comment from Ann Heiser. And I believe California, maybe San Diego area, I'm not sure, but uh, please address, if you don't mind, the muscle memory bank. The muscle memory bank. Is I don't this... know what, I don't know what a muscle memory bank is. What do you mean? Are you talking about that fascia possesses a memory? Maybe? I'm not sure. And if you don't mind uh, commenting on that, we'll come back to it. And we're going to come up. Let's go on and move on here just a little bit. Okay, I uh, don't have any questions at this. Somebody's saying Thank God this wasn't like national television or anything. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no problem. Okay, so uh, that's the question. The only oh, let's see. Why don't any of our curriculums or certifications have more content about fascia or vagus nerve when it's such a critical part of the organism? We have no idea, do we? We just don't. You know, know. it's. This is, you know, you have to remember that it's recent. In the last 20 years, the, we now have atomic force microscopy, right? It was never there. So we never really were looking at the cells of fascia and what they were doing before recent times, right? And even when I was in school, like back in the 90s, when I was getting my master's, I'm, I was reading books. And when you look at the date of when they were published, it was 1964. So... And, and I'm going to quote, I can't remember who the quote is from it, uh, but but the collegiate world proceeds one funeral at a time, right? <laughs> so we, we are very myopic in how we believe uh, that we know everything about the human form, life, existence, and, and our overall being. And we are really just at, at the beginning of really understanding the biological basis of life. I mean, if you ask me, we're all just spirits occupying bodies and utilizing our minds to have a human experience. So 
we're, we're just having controlled hallucinations all the time. That's what living is all about. It's none of this is even real. So find your joy because it's all from in here. It's not from anything outside of yourself. It's all about your connections that you're creating, just like fascia is a connection. It's a metaphor, right? It's how we connect uh, that, that allows us to really have a human experience. I love that. I love how you articulate all this too. I've just, I, you know, I'm every day I do my best to try to learn and I already learned a lot in the past 39 minutes and it's just been great. I really appreciate this. Just what it is, is this perspective for me changing how I see things so I can enhance, you know, just be more for myself, but also for others, because the more we can develop ourselves and understand how things are connected or you know, I think we can be better and more effective at helping people in various capacities, right? Yeah, you, sometimes we have to unravel ourselves from our beliefs, yeah. our thoughts and our feelings because we're much more than all three of these things and always be, be in a process of always being a student. Don't always be a teacher. I mean, I'm learning stuff every single day. It's yeah. just, you know, you know what you know and you realize that you don't know a lot when you learn and then you're like wow i didn't know that and now you're smarter so just be open to the human experience and what you can learn every day um let's go back to ann's uh question earlier she said um what she was referring to is the the ability if there's an ability of fashion to record movement memory and emotion it's a really great question you know like i and and i love ann she's brilliant by the way hi ann I, I know her. Um, you know, the thing about fascia is that fascia anticipates how we want to move, much like your nervous system does. Your nervous system anticipates how you want to move because you've been practicing and repeating movements your entire life. That's where repetition is the blessing and curse of athletic performance. But you know, emotional posturing is a real thing. When when somebody's sad, you can see it, right? When somebody's heartbroken, they they collapse, right? When you're excited, your shoulders are up, your eyes are open, right? Exactly. So these are parts of the nervous system, but fascia and the cells of fascia are also anticipating how we want to move and it's pre-stressing these collagen fibers so that it leverages joints as we move at literally the moment before we move and as we move fascism is an anticipatory type of system mm -hmm. and it, we it does hold memory it does which is why when you have a traumatic experience and it's it's called a somato-emotional release sometimes uh, tissue gets bound and, and we sort of freeze and then it takes time to unwind ourselves from those emotions so that we can move more freely again. So it's not just a role of fascia, it's a role of neurofascia. You have to put the nervous system and fascia together. They are not working as separate systems. I actually think these are the two systems that are truly interconnected. And even though we can call them separate, I, I really think they are a system in and of themselves. Again, like a, like a superpower Absolutely. couple, right? You don't yeah, want no, to- it, it totally makes sense. I mean, they can't be separated and actually function. No. They have to be together. Yes. Like this whole thing about peripheral central nervous systems and other nervous systems in the brain, it's just this big continuous loop. It's yes. not right. It, I mean, I actually just stole those words from uh, Andrew Huberman, uh, research science neuroscientist at Stanford, but 
but you're saying the same thing to us, which is no surprise because of what you're delivering to us through your education. It's a big continuous loop and they can't be separated functionally. No, and, and, and you can define and it, them, but yeah, know. I mean, when I was in school, I remember the hierarchy of the central nervous system was the central nervous system and under it was the peripheral nervous system. And under that was the somatosensory, your common senses mm -hmm. and the autonomic nervous system. And the reality of it is that model is what's wrong. We, we aren't even born out of the brain. Like the brain doesn't develop before the heart and before our central system, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're actually born from a midline out. and our brain is taking information in through our bodies, not just through our peripheral nervous system, but there's more sensory nerves, which are peripheral nerves. There's more sensory nerves living in fascia than there are in muscles. So when you think of yourself as sensing and feeling the world around you, you're feeling it through your fascial continuum and then into the peripheral nervous system, sending messages to the brain and then igniting activation right so it's not a brain to body it's a body to brain to body process exactly. you're right thank it's a loop you. it's a loop exactly thank you so much for that that was the best way i've ever heard it articulated that was the best Super. i have a comment <laughs> i want to read from mary beth mary beth had a brain tumor removed in may mm. um she had been using a walker there's still some numbness numbness not having numbness not oh yeah thank you <laughs> certain words I just don't say well numbness and tingling wanting of full recovery what are the chances and by the way her PT did not address the things that you're addressing so so glad to hear you talk about all of this you have helped her recovery so uh, yay, well, Mary Beth yay, and bravo yeah. Sue when, when you have a brain tumor or any brain trauma, I have a friend of mine who literally doesn't have the frontal lobe of his brain because of a car accident when he was 19. And I always say, well, that explains all of your weirdness, but he functions perfectly fine. He moves perfectly fine. So, you know, the, the brain elements of our, of our, you know, the way that our brain functions and how it sends and receives information when you have a brain tumor and something's removed can definitely alter how you move in general. So for, for this gal, the most important place to start is by treating your hands and feet because you're, this is where we have all of the proprioception, the sensory awareness in our hands and our feet. So in Melt, we have hand and foot treatments. And as you start to stimulate the hands and the feet, it creates new neural signaling. It helps the brain actually reprogram new neural pathways by way of touch and sensory awareness. So it's one of the things I think that's missing in most people's practice is treating your hands and feet very specifically. So um, for those sort of things, that's where I would start someone like that. And then with melt using the roller, it would be the rebalance sequence, trying to just ease the sensory system and getting the stress response down so that the body's natural repair can actually occur. We can induce a healing response. We can induce a healing response in the body. Um, and, and, and that's important for people to know that just because our bodies are designed to heal naturally, doesn't mean that it heals naturally well. And, and if we support the healing processes of our body, we can really support our aging process, how we heal um, and, and the results of our healing. You know, like when you get a scar, definitely that's all fascial related, right? So 
uh, supporting that system, I think, is very important to know how to do. And this is just so cool. I, uh, you're, you're completely backing up about two minutes. You're talking my language here, which just makes me so excited about this whole new neural pathways deal. Because another thing that gets left out of curriculums, which is why I keep going on and learning and learning every day, is, in fact, it's what we do here in my clinic and out on the road when we're traveling and teaching is we really want to take advantage of the neuroplastic uh, potential and maximize neuroplasticity in the brain. Because according to Dr. John Rady, who I interviewed last year, he's a best-selling author, you know, a Harvard professor. He talks about till the day you die, literally, unless you're unconscious or some other thing, you should be able to learn things and learning creates synaptic firing patterns and synaptic firing patterns repeated over and over the same ones will create new neural connections, yes. neural pathways, which is so interesting that there's enough intelligence in this neurofascial system that we can train it to develop new pathways in our brain. So I'm, I'm guessing that this, we can train our fascia to act differently than it is. Yes, and more our nervous optimally system. than it is, correct? Yeah. So, so in the nervous system, you know, again, I don't like to get too technical, but there's, you know, called potentiation, right? So the way that the brain is actually uh, igniting neural pathways, and oftentimes what we get is this thing called synaptic pruning. So if you don't use a pathway, the brain just kind of clips it and uses something else. So the way that I describe this, especially when you have an injury, is think about the primary neural pathways being like super highways. And at 8 a.m., you're living in a suburb and you have to get downtown. And what you know is that super highway is full of congestion and full of traffic. So what do we do? We don't, we don't not go to work. We just take side streets and we figure out side streets to get us downtown in relatively the same amount of time, but it's not the most direct route. And the thing is on the weekends when you could sleep in and not take the side streets and somebody asks you to go downtown for brunch, you still take the side streets and you never go on the highway anymore. And that's kind of how the brain works. If it starts to adopt these compensatory patterns and these weird neural pathways, and unless we reinstate the, the primary pathways of stabilization, we're just a walking compensatory problem. And over time, that's where joint injuries occur. So especially for athletes, this is probably one of the biggest problems with athletes is that we practice and repeat the same movements over and over and over again. And although it gets us good at like swinging a bat accurately, when we go to move around and we're not playing our sport, it's, it actually causes a lot of faulty firing, a lot of faulty patterning. That makes sense. Well, I, I love, that's the greatest analogy I've ever heard, the superhighway versus the back roads, because that, that is like, so let's, if you don't mind, I want to shift this a little bit towards my population, because I know that you've dealt with this. Um, the people I usually work with have some type of movement disorder. About half of them, it's Parkinson's, because it's rather common yeah. in the movement disorder world. Uh, there's a lot of cognitive decline, uh, dementia of various states, maybe MSA, multiple sclerosis, or some form of it, um, or, you know, whatever, dystonia, general, all kinds of things. Anyways, bottom line is, in these in these situations, we have a part of the brain which is generally compromised and somehow in, in its functionality. So like in here, what we'll do is 
try to retrain the brain to develop uh, and improve skills they used to do that were easy, that aren't as easy anymore, so we can improve movement, balance, mobility, stability, reduce fall risk. And of course, we, all, we also have this idea of um, improving memory and cognition because we can work on this. It's just that, mm -hmm. like you say, the brain will has compensatory tendencies and it'll just start doing stuff to learn stuff yep. if you exercise, meaning actually exercise the things you need to be doing to learn things. So with that said, there's a couple of different topics within this topic is uh, in my world of Parkinson's disease, you know, we have area of the brain, substantial nigras, losing brain cells, and this and that, lack of dopamine. Um, how, have you, I know you've dealt with, so how do you find the MELT method to be as far as working with movement disorder population uh, of any type at all? And I'm going to tie into that, that a lot of these people don't like to drink water, so they're not hydrated. And that's, a, this I... is an issue. It's such so a problem. Hydration, please talk about movement disorders and hydration, please. Okay. So, so let's start there. First of all, I get it when you have, and really it's, it's like old people too. Like, you know, when people yeah. are really old, like I can't, Aging. I go to, I go pee all the time. And I'm like, how many times do you go to the bathroom in the day? They're like at least 20 times. I'm like, I don't have a problem and I'm not old. And, and I pee about 20 times a day too. What's the problem? Why are we so hell bent in, in like, oh my gosh, like, should you only pee three times a day? No, like pee all the time, get yeah. the crap out of you, right? You know, like don't, don't hold it in, don't hold your urine in, pee a lot, it's better for you. But here's the thing about hydration, okay? You're, you absorb water, right? You have to break down a water molecule and then where does water get dispersed? It goes through the fascial net first, it goes into the extracellular matrix and then it gets attracted into your cells. Okay, it doesn't goes to cells. It's in the extracellular matrix and then goes to cells. So the problem and the reason that people have, you know, incontinence and all of these things is partly sensory motor, but another part of it is the consistency of fluid intake. It's not that we're not drinking enough water. We're not drinking it consistently enough. So I'll give you an example on this one. So this is, let's just say that this is about a liter of water. You would be better served sipping one sip and that's it every 15 minutes of your day and making this liter of water last three hours mm -hmm. rather than drinking a liter of water and then not drinking for three hours. Cells need time for absorption. And if you can get more consistent in your water intake, two things will happen. You'll utilize the water more in your cells. Cell absorption will increase. Mm -hmm. And the thing about fascia is that daily living alters the stiff to elastic properties of fascia. So even if you don't have pain, I always describe this as like when you sit for long periods of time and you get up and you feel like you aged 40 years because your joints don't work as well when you get up as they did when you sat down or you wake up in the morning and you feel as stiff as a dried out sponge. So if you think of the of fascia kind of like a sponge, when a sponge is hydrated, it not only moves and adapts efficiently, when you compress or pull on it, but when you let it go, it goes back to its ideal shape. But a sponge that's dehydrated, it's stiff, it's inflexible, it doesn't move very quickly. Mm -hmm. And when you let it go, it does not quickly return to its ideal shape. And just like a, a moist sponge absorbs water well, better than a dried out one, you've got to keep your fluid intake 
more consistent so that you don't have sort of that dried out sponge as you age. And in the case of something like Parkinson's where you've got an altercation in dopamine, you have neural issues. Um, it's really inherently important because fascia does play a role with your microbiomes and even how you you absorb nutrients, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, I, I think that it's, yeah, it's like a lifetime of issues. So again, with melt, I don't treat the, the symptom. I don't treat the disease. I treat the person right? Mm -hmm. I treat the human. And, exactly. and what I want to do is I want to get them more stable. So I melt their hands and feet. It didn't matter what my, and I've, I've worked on over 10,000 clients. I've seen every known disorder, disease, dysfunction, age-related problems and known to man. And it just didn't matter what the problem was. I would either start them with a mini hand treatment or a mini foot treatment. And then once they learned that, I would teach them the other. And then I would get them on the roller and I would teach them the rebalance sequence. And I would see what their bodies did with that um, outside of melt, I feel like anybody who has any type of a brain disorder, uh, your, our friend here who's listening, who had a tumor removed and now has neural impairment, yep. um, Parkinson's, uh, MS, your best bet is to get back down on the floor and move like a baby. Lie on your back and roll yourself over. Get yourself into quadruped and see if you can move one arm and one leg. Mm -hmm. Get on the ground and act like a baby because that's where you, that, when we were an infant from zero to two, those, those neural pathways that we laid down are the same ones we use today at any age, yeah. right? So, so the, the developmental phases that we went through to create flexion, extension, side bending, abduction, adduction, and rotation are the same that we use yeah. now. So if you alter that, your best bet is to get back down on the floor and work with gravity, not against it for a half a minute and try to get the sensory motor feedback in, in very myopic ways to regions of the body and see if you can reignite the sensory motor pathways, not just the motor pathways. So you gotta, it's the, it's the stability over the mobility that we've got to get back in these particular cases. Oh man, I'm so excited. There's so many things I could say. First of all, I have, I love everything you're, everything you're saying today is just the best and so relevant though, we're all humans. We, and just what you just said about babies, get on the floor and act like a baby. Well, first of all, I learned that uh, a few years ago, first person to turn me on to that was Perry Nicholson. Mm. I'm sure you Love know him. Perry. Foundational Love movement Perry. patterns. He's my lymph mojo baby. He's awesome. <laughs> he's, I love he's him. Fantastic. And so as in the past year, uh, so I have a two granddaughters, one will be a year old in about three weeks, the other one is six months, a few days ago. And what's really cool is to watch these babies do the things that I have my clients do here on the floor. Yes, rolling over front to back, back to front, back, extending the back, extending mm -hmm. the neck, just moving, I find that I feel so good. When I get on the floor, especially with my granddaughters, because they'll climb all over me and but I just move around like them. This moving on the floor stuff is absolutely foundational from the from the first time we're on the floor, right? And we develop this way. And to be able to what I find it's kind of interesting is the people who will get on the floor with me and practice certain things, like you said, quadruped, move an arm, move the other arm, move a leg, and see if you can go four points to two, right? Of contact. 
they generally do better than the people who refuse to get on the floor or can't for some reason, because a lot of people can get on the floor. Occasionally, somebody can't for some reason. But this is like, I love what you're saying. I guess that's really my long winded way of saying I'm so happy you shared that because I need people to hear this. Uh, from somebody. It's important, you know, and even people who say I can't get down on the floor, it's more like I could get down on the floor, but I don't think I can get back up is really more what it is. It's not really a problem of getting yeah. down on the floor. You know, we, you we can don't just, allow that as an excuse in this clinic. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll share a story. One time I, I taught at the at the YMCA and it was literally the, the median age was probably 80 years old. There were 70 year olds, but there were up to 100 in the room. And we did the foot treatment and I did the hand treatment up against the wall. And I said, you know, I'd love, how do you guys feel? They're like, I feel amazing already. And I was like, I'd love to get you guys down on the floor, but I don't know if all of you guys can get down on the floor. And it was like a, a mass huddle. And then everybody broke out and got up against the walls and slid down the walls and rolled themselves over yeah. to their spots. Like they were not going to not do it. So if you're motivated, yeah. you know, with you can do it in your bed, but really getting on the floor, you know, like getting into baby poses and moving yourself around. These things are really powerful to the nervous system. It's, it's, it's um, it seems so simple. It's so obvious sometimes, but we're so hell bent that we've got to lift weights at the gym right? Which is good, right? I mean, you know, lift yeah. weight, you know, and, and if you have pain, it's neural weakness. I've never worked on somebody who has great sensory motor control who has pain, right? So you have to get back to the nervous system. Mm -hmm. But if you rehydrate fashion, you get the fluid flow of fashion moving, it's going to help your, it's going to just help your healing processes. So that once you have that hydration moving, and your brain has better connection to the joints, then go through stabilization techniques, not the other way around. That way you'll get the reintegration of your nervous system to fire more quickly because your brain is already adopting a new message because fascia is more open so that the sensory feedback is, is uh, more efficient. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. We, so I want to just um, reiterate something that you said about people uh, getting on the floor. They uh, there are cases where they just can't do it. Although the, ca the cases I've run into is they're very rare. I've had people who can't walk we just pull them out of a wheelchair, they can do a sit to stand with assistance and then pull somebody get the chair out of the way and we all lower down to the, the floor. floor. And then we help them get up. That's easy for me, I can help anybody get up. Um, the reason they don't get on the floor it can vary and it's very seldom that they can't, they may not want to, but once they get on the floor, and they realize benefits, that tends to change how they feel. Um, so I would encourage people out there to try to get your people on the floor, I guess is what I'm saying, because as long as you can provide a safe way for them to get down and up if they need that, the benefits are huge. So do it. Um, the other thing too, I wanted to ask you is regarding the small, the soft um, melt balls. Now I know that, you know, after teaching with Dr. Emily for many years, yes, thank you that the plantar skin and the palmer skin are the most highly dense in that order of sensory uh, and mechanoreceptor small nerves uh, on this of the skin on the body. What's going on in the fascia in those areas of the body? Because that's something I've never thought about, never asked. And it got me thinking, if you're going to work hands and feet first, there must be a reason for it. 
It, yes, if so, you have a well, couple minutes, do you have a little bit more time? Because this yeah, is so, so, cool. so this is really simple. First of all, fascia and the way that tissue moves is different from body part to body part, right? So I can grab onto my skin and I can move my skin on my on my forearm mm -hmm. a lot. But on your hands, it's very little. I mean, if the hands really had a lot of slideability, you would pick up something, it would slide out of your hand, right? Yeah, so it's it's much thicker in our palm and, and you actually have very dense fascia in the in the hands. So anywhere you have fascia, you always, thicker fascia, you also have a lot more sensory nerves. And proprioception is really your brain's ability to figure out where your joints are in relationship to gravity. That's really a simple principle. So when we melt our hands, you're, you're not only trying to rehydrate connective tissue, you're built, you're opening up fluid flow in the fascial tissues to improve neural timing, sensory motor feedback, oh, okay. right? So that's the thing I don't think people realize about melt is that we're not just, you know, working on fascia because we're going to release muscles. This whole idea of self-myofascial release, I think is, is a bunch of their fascia doesn't release in my mind it, it rehydrates you can move fluid perfusion but you're you're not really gonna change the 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 thickness of fascia right away right that takes time and over time if you can improve the glidability of fascia and also the sensory motor information that's being passed through fascia you you ultimately are going to help your brain find your body in a new way right so we're, we're trying to learn our bodies better in a sense so you're restoring fascial hydration to improve neurological efficiency right that's really what it's about we really want to heighten neural neurological efficiency because when our nervous system doesn't function well we we have not only physical issues but emotional and mental yeah. disorders right so a, a lot of um, I, I work with a lot of people with bipolar or, or depression. And if you melt, again, it just clears the mind. It helps your brain create a new conversation with the body and, and really allows us to be more, I think, loving to our bodies. We get to be who we are because we're in our bodies. When, when we're in pain or we have a disorder, we just want to tune it out. That's why so many people go to pain relievers, right? Just to zip it out and forget about it. Also opiates and drugs in general. Sure. Um, but you know, if, if what you want to do is lead an active, healthy, pain-free life, I always say you've got to give yourself permission to go into your body and trust that your body has the potential to heal. And whatever your story is, suffering is a choice, right? We, we have a choice to suffer. And, and if instead of suffering, we, we choose to thrive in the bodies that were offered and we realize that our afflictions, our traumas are actually ways for other people, including ourselves, to learn more about the human experience. So when my clients are my teachers, right, their, their information is making me more compassionate and to learn about them. And again, I said this earlier on, it's not who you are or what you do, it's the connections that you create over your lifetime. That's what the human experience is about. And some of us are going to get cancer and some of us are going to die young and some of us will have brain tumors and some of us will break a leg but one way or other there's a doctor that's learned from you there's a friend who learns about compassion for their friend it's it's a learning life is is a learning and it's a journey that 
you have to embrace. And if you just own it and you, and you choose not to suffer, but to, to thrive in your body, I just think you're, you'll feel better anyway. You know, you'll just feel more like who you want to be. I think that's the best way to approach this too, because I always, you know, express in my workshops or even with my, my clients or patients, uh, when we walk out of this session or this time together, I'll probably learn more than any of you have because you have all your experience you're bringing to the table here. I'm just going to deliver concepts and ideas, and then you're going to go get creative with it. So, I mean, that's where it, it, in every session with a client is, it's the same thing. It's, you know, I may know them really well. They might be coming to me for years, but still there's always something to be learned. And we yes, got to get I'm out of our safety zones too. We can't be unsafe, but we also don't want to stay in this box where we're never trying anything new because that's going to limit us too. And being open-minded and doing things that, well, not just anything, it has to have some sense to it, right? But something that's and some proven to be effective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, some, yeah. some people, some people just want to argue. Some people just want to fight because they don't feel significant. So, so they're going to argue your point because they want to be significant. And I yes, get that, yes. you know, but that's not helping anybody. Um, you know, and, and again, it's like, I just think, why do we ask the questions that we ask? Most often it's, it's more to assure us about what we already believe. It's not really to learn new things. So if you, Think about why you're asking the questions that you ask. You, you might actually realize that you're wanting an answer. And, yeah. and that's really the point, right? It's you, you want an answer that you already believe. You don't, you don't really want to know what the real truth is or whatever. So it's like you really do have to find a very open mind to healing and longevity and wellness. And again, I mean, I have completely changed the way I view aging and longevity over the years. Um, and, and, it, and it's, you know, that's part of the human experience, too, is just as you get older, I think there's wisdom in aging. Well, Man, I, I tell you, I could go on for hours, but um, I I don't have a lot more time left, but I wish I had all day. But I do want to ask you a couple of questions. First, I'll make a comment. Number one is another factor that I, I think having compassion for others is really huge, hugely important because you don't know until you know them. And even then you may not know some of the things they have gone through in their life and how they may have shaped their feelings and tragedies and things like that. And they may come across pretty abrupt. Sometimes there could be a darn good reason for it. Empathy is a huge thing. And uh, I know you have a lot of that that you deliver to people because I've been watching your videos for a long time. So I think it's uh, amazing the work that you do and the perspective you bring to us teaching us new, uh, I'm going to take a, a word I just saw on the screen here shifting our paradigms i think is really important always yeah. trying to better ourselves to be more for others um so for those watching we did not i've never met sue before we did maybe two emails and then we just got on and this is our first we had no conversation beforehand so i'm going to ask you a question that i didn't tell you i'm going to ask you okay. <laughs> but i know it won't be a problem in closing First of all, if there's anything you, else you want to share with us, include, please tell us where to go to buy books, get your program, get the education. But in closing, besides that, is there, do you have any words of wisdom? Do you want to share recommendations? Just like 
closing words of wisdom that you want to share with the audience? That's love question. each other more. Love more. Oh, man, yeah. Love more. That would be my biggest thing. If I had to give you a couple of tips just for your overall well-being, I would tell you to sip water frequently, eat water-filled foods, and once a day, reach out to somebody that you love and just send some positive vibes out and just say, hey, I was thinking about you yeah. and thank you for what you do or um, I was just sending you a little bit of love today because I think that when you put positivity out into the world, I think it elevates the frequency for everyone, whether, yeah. whether you're talking to them or not. Um, and, and to the second question, how would somebody find me? You can go to meltmethod.com. I do teacher trainings that are now online, which are wonderful. We have private Facebook pages. Um, there's a lot of live support that we do. Um, a lot of interaction with me and our master trainers. Um, I also have a streaming platform called Melt On Demand, where you can learn the three uh, arms of the method, the hand and foot treatments, the roller and restorative treatments of melt, and the strength-based component called NeuroStrength. Um, and I'm also very active on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and, and even YouTube. Um, for those of you who don't have the melt oh. products, if you go to YouTube and you type in melt method, there's kind of a do-it-yourself uh, I think there's maybe six or seven videos where I use a towel to yeah. learn some of the very basic right. techniques. Just so you just, I mean, you can, I just think that you can self-care anywhere and it doesn't matter what your issue is or, you know, what's going on. If Again, if you just give yourself a little bit of time and a little bit of love, I think it really goes a long way over your lifetime. So just once a day, you know, really, find yourself in a moment where you are asking yourself, what am I needing today? And you might be surprised what the answer is. Sometimes it's like, I think I really need a hug. You know, I think I really need to go for a walk or, or I really need to talk to somebody, right? So if you ask yourself and, and whatever it is that comes into your mind, what I'm really wanting is most of the time, the word is love. I think we just want to be loved. Right. I think we need to love ourselves more. And I think that if we could offer love out to the world, I think the world would be a better place. So I'm a fairly emotional guy and I just got teary. And I like that because it, what you've delivered today has, is so powerful. Your energy is infectious. I feel better now after talking with you. I felt better after one minute of talking with you. And I felt good before I started talking to you, but I just feel better. But I, um, your intention, you know, the intention we have towards probably ourselves is very important, but others is so important too. And we know your intention is beautiful and loving and helping people. And I just, you know, I can't say anything else right now other than that you're the greatest. Thank you. Oh. Well, thank you, Carl. And I so appreciate you reaching out and asking me to have this time with you. This was wonderful. And, um, you know, if you uh, make sure that I have, like, if there are questions that we didn't answer and it's on the Facebook page, if you want me to go over there, I'm happy to answer questions. And again, you know, just any of you guys, if you're listening, go to, go to Instagram, go to the Melt Method Instagram page or the Facebook Instagram page and just like the page and just keep your eye on it because I'm always laying down yeah. a little bit of wisdom or a self-care technique or talking with my friend Kara about some, you know, spiritual yeah, she's great. <laughs> something. She's great. Oh, so I also wanted to say um, that your YouTube, there are a couple channels. I think you have your personal one and then a melt one. Is that right? Yeah. My personal one is like, you know, more about 
my real personal life, but the, okay. but the, but the, the metal, metal method, but well, you've got some really high end visit. I wanted to just compliment you on the video quality. First of all, top end quality. You know, the I intro shoot, with the drop of water. I shoot and edit all of my own footage. You do, man, I need to come and learn from you. This is, those are really well done. Thank they look you. Professional quality. They are. I love the intro with the water. Um, and then the, the sound quality, the camera angles, it, but none of the videos are really long, which if they were, I wouldn't mind, but a lot of people don't, they're not going to hang around for 25, you know, 50 minutes. There's some three minutes, some five minutes and yeah. some longer. Yeah. But and you get down to the point right away in these videos. And I love that. Good. Thank you. Very, very good. So go check her out there too. Meldmethod.com. And then search Instagram, like her page. Facebook, like that page, and uh, YouTube. Susan, we Sue. I'm sorry, I, I say Susan. Do you go by S Sue, right? Sue. Does it? Okay. I'm so sorry if I said Susan. Okay. I shouldn't have. <laughs> um. Uh, let's do this again sometime in a few weeks or months because this is so good. We can pre, uh, so we don't duplicate much. We can do some questions in advance and maybe really narrow down some. Uh, Anne says, thank you so much for the geek gasm, you guys. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> okay. All she's right, one of well, my geekazoids. I love her. <laughs> she's great. I we haven't met yet, but at some point I know we will. We uh, thank you, everyone, Laura and Anne and everyone who's watching. Thank you for attending. Everyone on Facebook, thank you for attending. If we didn't answer your questions, I'll go back and find them later and I'll make sure that Sue gets them. But most of all, thank you, Sue, for joining me. This has been a big, uh, a huge honor for me. And man, I am psyched out of my mind now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope that we get you melting. And uh, just, yes, thank you for the time. I really appreciate the connection. Thank you so much. Love it. Love it. Um, seems like there's one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, wait, there is. So I'm going to stop recording. But if you can stay on for like a half a minute, okay? okay. So we're going to stop recording. Bye, everyone. Thank you.